ESPN New Hampshire Radio, WGAM Manchester, WGHM Nashua.
Welcome to Hump Day edition of the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Another dreary day in the Nashville area, but we'll keep you up. We'll keep you happy here in the Stretch Run. Justin Sullivan and me, Jimmy Murphy, your host. Uh, the, the song, Gimme Shelter, I don't know, came to mind. Put myself in two garage shoes last night. Did we not say on this show yesterday, when we had Mick Collagio on, that the one thing the Bruins could not do was get into a track meet and a fire wagon, as Mick put it, <laughs> type of game with the Flyers. And, and, and don't take penalties against the league's best power play. Oh, would you look at that? They did exactly that. They did everything <laughs> they weren't supposed to. And somehow, well, Tuka Raskow, that's how. And I'd say a good seven minutes of spirited hockey there when they tied the game up. They come away with a point. Their first, as they call it, the loser point, uh, <laughs> OT loss or shootout loss of the season. They're the last NHL team to get one of those points. So they come away with a point, and therefore uh, were not leapfrogged by the Flyers in the standings. Still sitting on the outside looking in. In terms of playoff standings, uh, New Jersey has the same amount of points as them at 10-7-5 with 25 points. The Bruins are 12-10-1 with 25 points. The Flyers, 11-10-3 with 25 points. Uh, And that is how it's looking there around the bubble teams. And that is how it will probably be looking for the rest of the season. So get used to it, folks. Uh, And as I tweeted last night, if that Flyers team could ever learn to play defense, <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> they'd be scary, man. Because when they talent. start moving it, they got a lot of talent. Oh, yeah. And that power play, you see that seed that yeah. Delzato scored on, too? <laughs> yes. yeah. I mean, that was a snipe. Seed. Yeah. You know, he just he saw there was just that one little opening there. He took it. And they call him, his nickname with the team is Bar Down because he hits the crossbar <laughs> and it goes down into the net. And he does. That's how he scored all his goals thus far. Uh, but I'm sure Claude Julian had done his scouting and passed it along to the players. Why they're not prepared for that? That shouldn't be all on Tuca. No, nah. they need to come out and pressure him because they know he's going to he be going for that. Instead, <laughs> they sit in front and become tree trunks in front of Tuca. He had plenty, of and time. Tuca didn't see a thing. Yeah, McQuaid was McQuaid was the main problem there. McQuaid was just, the main was, was the main screen on it was that like shot. A, like a like a route three in rain <laughs> traffic jam. McQuaid uh, set a better screen than the two Flyers guys that were in front of them. McQuaid it, was directly in yeah. front of Rask. And you know, look, I get on Rask sometimes because he blames his teammates and and whines and he didn't do it last night. But you know what? I wouldn't have blamed him last <laughs> so night. He had a good opportunity to last night. And you know what else the, I don't like is when when players and teams complain about the refs. Because I'm of the belief you make your own breaks. But, man, those penguins last (laughs) night, those striped penguins. Not very good. They did not have a good game. (laughs) I got a a text from our our, our friend Russ Conway. Yeah. Uh, Let me. uh, This ought to be good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Russ is, uh, by the way, on the mend after some surgery. We we, uh, send him our love and our our thoughts. Hope he gets better. So I was asking how uh how you doing? You feeling better? 
Yeah, I'm okay, but what the hell was that? <laughs> that was the worst officiated game I've seen in years. So inept. I had to laugh at the penalty shot call. And he's absolutely right. Oh, I mean... Not even close. <laughs> Not was even it, close. Who, who was it? it wasn't Miller. Who was it? Oh, uh... Total brain, yeah, brain fart here. Yeah, I'll send it. Yeah, it, it was. It wasn't even. wasn't even close. wasn't even close. Was it Carlo? Might have been Carlo. Whoever it was, did everything they're supposed to. Yeah, he's right within the rules, within the boundaries of the rules. I mean, it, it like he did everything you're supposed to. I almost wanted him to put a little more body on him and a little more pressure on him, a little more of a hook, and he didn't. I mean, he walked the line as perfect as you could, and he still got called for a penalty shot. <laughs> The hell was it? We just heard it on the intro there. I can. I, what, what's wrong with us? Maybe it was Miller. It might have been Miller. Yeah, he played a good game. Of course, the Bruins uh, lose three to two shootout. Um, just it's just not even. Close. Just in case you're wondering what the heck we're talking about. Uh, so Bruins uh, go down. Celtics tonight back on uh, the parquet floor, TD Garden. We'll uh, we'll tee that Joe, up with Jeff Hickman. It was later. Joe Morrow. Joe Morrow. It was Joe. Who has been playing great? Yes, I knew it was a younger guy. Eh? Yes, yeah. yeah, I knew it was, it was a younger Joe kid. Morrow. It was Joe Morrow and who's been playing great. I'm watching it right now. He absolutely did everything. Everything. It was right textbook. Time. Yeah, that's brutal. That's brutal. So you know, and I didn't blame Claude Julian, almost having a heart attack on the bench there. <laughs> Yeah, rough night for uh, Julian. I mean, he saw his team uh, go back into their defensive woes, and then he did not get a lot of help from the refs. That was, uh, that was not even close. I'm, I just watched it. That's not even close. How about the the the? You know what I thought was hilarious? Now, if I'm if I'm a fan of any uh, of the Flyers, or I'm the Flyers, maybe even if I'm Marshan's teammate, I would. I don't know if you remember, but when Marshan got that late penalty, it didn't turn into a goal, but it was late in the game. And he should have got one for a slash. I mean, he completely... It, yeah. Oh, no, excuse me. It was a high stick. Oh, God, the high up, stick. Up to the yeah. lip of uh, Giroux. Yeah. Okay? He, uh, I mean, he cle- it was yeah. clearly a high stick. He doesn't get called for that. What he gets called for <laughs> is after he loses his stick, he Takes goes over around. and basically just <laughs> takes tackles Giroux, tackles him to tackles the ice, him, yeah. and slams his head into the ice Dante twice. Dante Hightower tackle. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then he's just... He goes back to the bench. <laughs> he's sitting there. Like, and he like, won't go to the box. Yeah. And I'm waiting. I'm like, is somebody going to tell him to go to the box? It was hilarious. Yeah, yep. He's acting like he doesn't know what's going on. Of course. Oh, me? What did I do? Yeah. And he, it, had, he had some good things. They had. I found a, a nice clip of him today, and it's him talking about, you know, TSN did a whole thing on him being a rat and coming up as a rat, and he's like, I had to And do now that. he's a superstar. Yeah. And now he's a superstar. Oh, uh, Michael Farber did it, eh? Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, and, I saw. And, I wanted to see that. Great. That, we'll play that in the next segment. But that was him, and that's exactly what. Oh yeah, that was, that was, that was the rat like, Marshan. I, I didn't do anything. Come yeah. on now. What, what do you mean? You tackled a guy. <laughs> you, just you, t- you straight up tackled after a guy. you high sticked him in oh the face. Oh my god! Took yeah. a couple chicklets with you. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but anyhow, the Bruins go down. They basically do everything we said don't do. They lose three <laughs> two in a shootout to Philly. They clearly don't listen to the show. Uh, yeah, clearly. <laughs> Sometimes they do. But uh, the Celtics uh, will be in action tonight. We'll talk to Jeff Hickman later in the show. we got a great show in store for you. Sully and I are going to give our, a little more expanded thoughts on the Bruins in the next segment. Um, and then after that, like I said in the crossover, we got a special guest coming on. This is going to be awesome. Joe be Sullivan. He is the author of Big Poppy, The Legend and Legacy of David Ortiz. Very, uh, it, it, It's a book, but it's very much... Uh, a photo book. 
Uh, not as much writing in here as I thought there would be, considering that Joe is the longtime sports editor of the Boston Globe, but maybe he gets sick of writing. Yeah. Uh, so he's got some great pictures in here, just uh, a chronological journey through our Ortiz's career from the Dominican all the way to retirement this year. Uh, so we'll talk to uh, to Joe about his new book, maybe tell some Ortiz stories. Um, we able to we able to retrieve your awesome poppy tribute you did. I can pull it up if we need to. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. I want to come into that uh, in the 340 segment, the third segment of this hour. We'll have Joe Sullivan on. We will uh, play Sully's amazing poppy tribute he did right after uh, the Red Sox were eliminated by the Indians uh, back in early or mid-October. Uh, we'll give you the Belichick presser. I have not heard it yet, so I'm looking forward to uh, that. And I, I do need a little nap, so that'll be good. <laughs> the usual. That's yeah, the usual. The usual. Usual stuff. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Anyone impressive. ask him about trading no, Gronkowski no, or no par- contract? You know, no carrots. None of that today. Wow. It was very, uh, very. He, oh, he did have a nice. So the, they're finally getting it because yeah. there's no way he was going to acknowledge at the, that. Well, at the, the the only the funny part, which is just a commentary on Belichick in general. The, you know, they ask him about you know injuries and all that stuff, the normal stuff, and he's yeah, yeah, and then at the end, somehow I don't know how, but they got into a a, a punter talk. And he talks. Oh, at, he loves that punter. He talks at length. Yep. It had to have been. What's the kid's minutes. name? I've heard. I've oh, heard him talk about they, it. Before. He talked about their special teams, how they're number one in net. They punt called coverage. him a weapon, right? Yeah, he called him a weapon. I'm like four minutes of at least four questions about the punter, and they went on about punters, and then he went into Buddy Guy and all these. Oh, I'm like, you got to stop with these punter. T- I can't do it. I can't do this punter talk. But that was about the only thing that was of. See, if I'm in the Patriots um, no. punter and I'm hearing that, I'm a little worried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, bye-bye. is he going to eye him in the offseason? Yeah. But then again, I mean, Allen's been great, right? Allen's I mean, yeah. Remember good, him? Yeah. We mentioned the Houston game and the crossover there. Yeah. I mean, he was the story of that yes, game. Remember absolutely. the, the position? They haven't had any real issues other than Steven Guskowski in special teams. That's about it. Speaking of Guskowski and speaking of Joe Sullivan, uh, I, will, I retweeted it earlier. I believe it was by Alex Spear. Hmm. In the Boston Globe, he wrote a piece uh, today about Guskowski's struggles right now, and he is in one of the worst slumps ever for an NFL kicker right now. I mean, this is this Good. is like this is bad. Yeah, he is a below average kicker right now. Yeah, I got it right here. Let's open this up. Jeez. Uh, Steven Guskowski. This was in the Boston Globe today. Check it out. You can go to. Uh, Boston.com. Oh, of course, I've run out of my free stories there. Well, anyhow, check it out. Because <laughs> the Globe wants you to pay. Yeah, of course. Classic. As usual. We hope you've enjoyed your five free articles. <laughs> Continue reading by subscribing to Globe.com for just 99 cents. How about no? Yeah, I was like, yeah. How about Joe Sullivan gives us a free one? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they've got a good piece there, and he just talks about he is in a bad, bad well, I've already, slump. I've already predicted he's not going to be here next year. Well, that's I, fine, but what do you do for now? Na- yeah, that's yeah, me. What do you? I mean, what do you do between now and just, the playoffs? You just got to pray he figures it out. <laughs> really, I mean, he's not going to. He's definitely not going to be on the team this year. I mean, you franchise tagged him this year. You're paying him four some four million point something dollars here to yeah. kick field goals, and he can't find the ocean right now. He can't make anything. He can't make anything right now. You know there was. That, yes, that last game, that was the first time in a while where I've sat and said, you know what, he's going to miss field goals. Like, they bring, well, the, they, field, they, they bring the field goal unit, and I'm like, nope, no, 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 no,
schemes you know, around I, not even, having to kick the, a field goal. Even the short one, there was like a 25-yard. I'm like, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if he's going to make bad, this. Man. I don't know if he's going to make this one. I turned to my he's dad and said, is he really going to make this? Are we trusting him to make this right now? So, yeah, I'm t- you, you just got to hope and pray. You got to pray that he figures it out because he's not going to be here next year. But if you get into a tight situation in a playoff game, you need a field goal. I don't know. If, I don't know if I trust him right now. I don't know if he. I don't know if he has that in him right now. What do you do? I mean, how do you? <laughs> how do you get a guy out of the? Can Ryan like Allen? That? Can Ryan Allen kick? Do we know that yet? Have we? Have we resorted to that yet? I don't know, man. It's, I, it's, it's a problem. It, yeah, you gotta it's figure a big it out. problem. You got to figure it out. Because you know there's going to be games that come down to that. I'm willing to try anything at this point. Ryan Allen. No. We will takes. see what they do. Uh, I know that Belichick was a big fan of Robbie Gould, but he got scooped up by the yeah. Giants, uh, thanks to their wife beating kicker. Uh, so, you know, they're in some trouble there with that, but we will, uh, talk to Mike Reese about what Belichick had to say about Goskowski's struggles and about the Gronk situation. Yeah. Uh, he'll be on with us at 425 today in the middle of the second hour. Uh, and then, like I said, we'll close the second hour out with Jeff Hickman of ESPN, New Hampshire. I believe we will confirm that with him when we have him on, but I believe he is doing the uh, Celtics pregame show. There is a pregame show tonight. I there don't know if it's it. him. I don't know if it's him or Gilroy. I, I do or, know there is a yeah. pregame show tonight. Yep. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get on that. We'll find out. It was not listed who was hosting in the schedule, so uh, I will try and confirm that for uh, you Celtics fans out there. That pregame show will take place at 6 o'clock following the stretch run. In the final hour, we usually talk to him on a Tuesday, but they had a game last night. Uh, so Manchester Monarchs head coach Rich Seeley will be on to talk about that game in the the past week that was in uh, Manchester Monarchs hockey, and then we'll close things out talking to Steve Conroy, the Boston Herald, about the Bruins and looking ahead to some of the games they have coming up. They'll be facing your man who uh, came back in grand fashion last night, Jack Eichel and the yes. Sabres on Saturday. Thank you for that. A goal, and, nasty, a, a goal huh? and an assist. I will quick. take that. I need I need some goals right now in fantasy hockey. I will take that. Thank and, you very much. I mean, that was him basically saying, all right. I'm back. <laughs> yeah. What's up, McDavid? What's up, Hello, Marner? I'm back. Exactly. What's up, uh, Matthews? I've heard of enough of this Patrick yeah, I've heard kid. Of, I've heard, line yeah. A, who is this line A kid? Yeah. I got to take care of this right now. All right. You remember me? <laughs> remember, he's only his second year. He's only 19. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a good player. There are a lot of good young players in hockey right Especially now. Especially right, it is, right from down the road, too. Right from Chelmsford. Yep. You know, local, local That's guy. right. That's right. Good I call. Some, I know some kids who... Played against him, played with him, played literally with him. You know, it's he's a real deal. He's, All right. he's really good. Well, we will uh, we'll talk to the, uh, Steve Connery at the end of the show about that. But uh, next up, you and I will kind of bounce our ideas about last night's Bruins game and look ahead, uh, kind of look around the NHL, too. It was a crazy night in the NHL last night, really busy. Um, speaking of uh, crazy temper tantrums, uh, we should try and find it in the break. Andrew Shaw went absolutely berserk in the penalty box against Yeah, Andrew. I saw it. There's no audio of it, but I saw it. Oh, that, yeah. I was hoping there'd be audio. Okay. I was well, going to grab we'll, it. We'll try and find something. Maybe we can get in French. Yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> the stretch run, ESPN New Hampshire, and uh, I don't know. I'm in a Stones mood today, so uh, hence the uh, opening and this one. Classic Little Red Rooster from the Stones. The stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. You may be rich, child. You may be bold.
listening to the number one sports station in New Hampshire. It's ESPN New Hampshire. Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working aboard. Yeah, it was Joe Moore over there. Did nothing wrong. Nothing wrong. He gets called for a penalty shot. Come on. Come on. But eh, that's not the reason the Bruins lost. The Bruins played horrendous defense. Uh, let the Flyers play their game, which is includes horrendous defense itself. Uh, but it's a run-and-gun type game and something the Bruins just uh, cannot get into, and they cannot get into it with their next opponent, who despite losing and blowing a 2 nothing lead last night at MSG, has overall been playing great hockey thus far this season. That's the Carolina Hurricanes. They'll be at TD Garden tomorrow night at 7 p.m., and then the Bruins travel to Buffalo to face Sully's Jack Eichel. Yes. And the Buffalo Sabres in a 1 p.m. matinee on Saturday. Hmm. That might, that's interesting. I just found out I have tickets if I want them to uh, UMass versus Notre Dame hockey Ooh. out in Amherst. Yeah. Ooh. My uh, my Western Mass buddies there uh, invited me out. They got a mess of tickets through. It's uh, pretty good right there. Through radio station. Yeah. So I'm thinking about that. But now I'm seeing, I mean, the Bruins are playing at one. Hmm. It's a tough choice right there. Yeah. We might just <laughs> have to. S- it's not like we're going to scalp UMass tickets, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll play it by ear. But it, that's awesome. A lot of day hockey going on Saturday. Oh, yeah. I like that. And then, of course, a lot of co- uh, college football with the conference championships going on this weekend. So that should be a fun day Saturday. Um, we're going to get to that Andrew Shaw thing I, I spoke about in a bit. But as you guys know, if you've been listening to the show, um, We've spoken about the Dougie Hamilton trade rumors a couple times, and I have told you that my sources were telling me um, that, yeah, of course the Flames are listening. 
And, you know, it's going to take a quote-unquote knock-your-socks-off type offer. And, you know, I had a, I had a source telling me that, he's, you know, this is, this is what my source said. Uh, you know, if uh, the Penguins come to me and offer uh, Sidney Crosby, well, then, yeah, I got to think about it, don't I? And that's what my flame source said. So now I'm going to read you what Brian Burke told Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050 today. Uh, Andy Petrillo is the host there. Uh, we, we were looking for the sound. We could not find it. But there's a tweet from their Twitter handle, at Leafs Lunch 1050. If you want to check it out, again, that's at Leafs Lunch 1050. So this is former Bruins defenseman Dougie Hamilton has been bandied about in the media and on chat rooms and social media as being available. And, of course, once the Toronto media gets a hold of that, I mean, it's like the Red Sox media here. Once the Leafs media gets a hold of that, it blows up in a hurry. And, and all of a sudden, there's, there's potential deals ready to be made. And it, and it goes from being just a, a little rumor to, to what they want to think is reality. So Brian Burke, I guess, took – didn't, they didn't call him. Brian Burke picked up the phone and called in to Leafs Lunch Ooh. on the Leafs flagship station, TSN 1050. Of course, Brian Burke was a former GM with the Leafs. He is now the president of hockey operations with the Flames. And he went off. And this is what he had to say. Uh, this is Brian Burke speaking to Andy Petrillo on Leafs Lunch today. And this should let you know, for all you Bruins fans that think Dougie Hamilton's coming back, don't get your hopes up. This is what uh, Burke said. It's very frustrating when you have to deal with leaks. And as soon as one of the teams that are in the mix in the leaks is the Toronto Maple Leafs, now, I was going to say Maple Leaks there, <laughs> which could describe it yeah, at times. <laughs> Now it's an army of leakers, an army of people who have no goddamn idea what they're talking about, who will happily go on and say, the Toronto Maple Leafs are doing this, and they're in on that. This is one where we think we can trace the leak, though. We got a call. Our GM, Brad Trevling, got a call from a team who shall remain nameless, at least for now. But if this goes further, I'm probably not going to let it remain nameless. And said, would you move Dougie Hamilton? Trey said no. That's traveling. We expended a tremendous amount of assets to get this player. Of course, from the Bruins, three first-round picks. We're really happy with him. He's a quality guy. He's six foot five. He weighs two hundred thirty-seven pounds. He's a right shot. Skates like a deer. He's got a. He's a good hockey player. He's got a good hockey mind. Yeah, let's move him. Let's get rid of him. It's not hard to get guys like that. We told this team. And by the way, the offer they made was insulting. We told them, no, we're not moving him. And next time you have an idea that's stupid, just save the quarter. Don't go to the payphone. <laughs> I didn't know payphone still existed. <laughs> There's actually one out here on Main Street. Really? I saw one the oh, I, cool. I saw it the other day and I was like, that that I can't believe I, what is this? Is it like nineteen eighty? Oh, what's wow. going on here? Actually it's kind of cool though. I was stunned. But yes, Back there to is the one future there. here in Main Street in Nashville. <laughs> uh, don't go to the payphone. The team started telling teams, yeah, we made an offer on Hamilton. Now it's a rumor. It's got legs. Someone's like, wow, they must be moving him. He went on. We haven't offered him to anyone. We don't intend to move him. You say, if you got the right offer, if someone offers us 20 first-round picks, are we making that deal? Well, yeah, probably. Wayne Gretzky got traded. But the difference between listening and listening attentively and shopping, those are different things. So would you listen? Yes, it's your job to listen. Is he a guy that we intend to move? Not a chance. Is he a guy that we think will move? Not a chance. 
So that was Brian Burke on Toronto Radio today. Now, Sully, have I not been sane? I was going to say, I feel like we said that about two weeks ago. Yeah. I feel like you had the same rant about two weeks ago where all teams have to listen. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of being a GM. But if I say that, then people on Twitter take it as Murph saying that the Flames are dangling <laughs> exactly. Dougie Hamilton. That, that's just Twitter. The problem I, is Twitter. I really hope that, that fans and other media out there can read what Brian Burke just said there. Just read it. And then they're like, okay, well then why did you tweet it, Murph, if they're, if they're just listening? Well, I tweet it because you find it interesting, and that's my job to yeah. tweet something like that. But don't don't, don't blow like, it up. Don't blow it up and change my words. And and I get so tired of that. And good on Brian Burke to to go out and take it upon himself to to say that and get that out there. And you know, it, obviously, he's got to do that too to make Hamilton feel comfortable. Of course, because you don't want your player looking over his head, wondering if he's going to get traded all the time, looking yeah. over his shoulder, like, "Ooh, are they going to let go of me if I have a bad game?" But it's also a business. People, you should know that as a player, that, exactly. That, that they are always but he listening. Do, but at, he doesn't want his board, player you know? to wake up every obviously, day and yeah. see that on Twitter. Of course, you know, and that's just that Twitter. That the problem is Twitter. That's yeah. That's the problem. The problem is Twitter taking something. Taking the words listening and turning it into shopping. Like that, that's a problem. You know? So, I mean, for any sport, even if you're not a hockey fan, whatever sport you any love sport, and yeah. you want to seriously, like, remember that. Get that tweet, copy that, copy and paste it, put it somewhere on your desktop. And, and, and next time you want to go out there and spread rumors or say that a reporter or the host of the stretch run on ESPN <laughs> New Hampshire said this, just remember that. Okay? Put it I mean, on your bedroom wall. It's like, I don't get it. Yeah, it, that's it's just Twitter. It's just just the uh, sports media world we live in now. Yeah, where everything becomes a story, where everyone's trying and to I mean, search for a story. Burke, Burke basically said what my source said to me. Yeah, that they're that he just said Wayne Gretzky instead of Sidney Crosby. Yeah, they are listening. Yes, of yeah. course they're listening. Everyone's listening. I mean, everybody's available yeah. for the right price. Of course, and that's what Burke's saying. Hey, I'm not. It's not, I'm not saying it can never happen, but we don't plan on it. Yeah, you know, I mean, but hey, if somebody comes to me, you know. I don't plan on uh, moving anytime soon, Sully. But I mean, if you know, if like uh, <laughs> some big corporation comes to me and offers me three hundred thousand dollars a year <laughs> yeah. to go somewhere, well, then I well, might have to consider. You might have to think about it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. We all got to do what's right, but that's that. So I, I, I found that interesting. I felt like we had to read that. I think it's, I think it applies to all applies to everything. Sports rumors, not just hockey. Um, but back to hockey. So uh, you, you know, we're watching that game last night, and. I agree with you. You text me. Um... <laughs> oh boy! Sorry, somebody just tweeted back at me. <laughs> they put the flame symbol with the flames coming yeah. out of the sea, <laughs> yeah. and then Brian Burke's head with his crazy hair coming yeah. out, and they said separated at birth. Oh my god, that's that, pretty. That's pretty. Good. That's good. That's creative. <laughs> that's the good part of Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the rumor part of Twitter, which that's, is just, that's good. Needs stuff. to go away. So anyhow. Um, you know, you texted me. You said Tuca's going to want that one back. Talking about the uh, the shootout winner there. Yeah, from the, Goss- yeah. Well, two, from the, the ghost, the two of them. The the first one that I saw was the was Voracek coming in, and he kind of beat him five hole under the pad, just slid under the pad. One of those where you're like, I really, you know, you should have had it, but didn't. And Martian went back the other way and scored. You know, game over. You had the second. You know, you're the second turn on that. Goss despair. I agree with you. That was a creative shot, but he hit your glove. You know, it did it did hit him. It did throw him off, but he got a piece of it. And you could tell afterwards, obviously not happy about it. But that wasn't on Tuca last night. I, I agree with you on that point. There was 
the, the defense was horrible. Yeah. There's so many other things in that game. And, you know, and I Tuka agree with you fantastic. should have had that shot. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I thought it was pretty creative. Oh, it was absolutely creative. Uh, I 100% intended to shoot it that way. It wasn't like he just whiffed on it. No, that was a chip shot. Yeah. That was a genius shot, and it worked. It absolutely worked. I but, like that kid, man. Oh, He's yeah, fun to he watch. Yeah, Shane oh, yeah. Gothosphere. He can play. I can't even say his name. Gothosphere. Gothosphere. Goth- Goth- they just call him the ghost. Yes. So that's what we'll call him. Yeah. Um, but watch him. He's like a defenseman, but he's just, man, he can move the puck. Yeah, he can play. He absolutely can play. U.S. kid, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, college, U.S. college. Where did I, um, I think Notre Dame. Was it Notre Dame? I might think, have been. I think it was I N.D. I say it was more East. Maybe. I, I felt like it was Notre Dame. Let's see. He can play, though. He absolutely, he can skate. And like you said, that's creative. That's just that's just thinking outside the box and saying, you know what, I'm going to. I'm gonna take the. I'm gonna throw a little change up here and and see if it works. And it did. Clearly yeah, it did. It's like it, a knuckleball. Because Tuka Rask had spent half the night trying to stop closure rules one timers, and he did successfully. He had a lot of you know he, he, that late in that game. I played it earlier. That last second in OT, and he he slides across and takes that one timer away. I didn't think he had a shot at that, and somehow he makes the save. He was. Uh, I was right. He was a member of uh, Union Union oh, University's yeah, yeah, yeah. hockey okay, team. Yep. Yep. Uh, and he wonder, was on their the team that won a national team? championship yeah, yeah, in yep, 2014. That's yep, that's how I remember him. He was uh, selected by the Flyers in the third round, 78th overall in the 2012 draft. Keep an eye on him, man. If you're a hockey fan, watch that guy. Good stuff. But um, he was something else. I mean, he was uh, – he can move the puck. He can move the puck. So uh, good on him for that goal. I mean, you know, Tuka's definitely going to want that back, but – uh, you can't blame him on that one. It was a tough one to stop there. Uh, we are going to switch gears in the next segment, and we are going to talk to longtime Boston Globe sports editor Joe Sullivan. Will join us to discuss his new book, Big Poppy, the Legend and Legacy of David Ortiz. By the way, there's so many Ortiz books coming out, huh? It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get every, I'm going to get every single one of them. Yeah, every single one of them. That's I'll my, try and that's get my a co- Christmas another list. copy of this for you. That's we can, good. you know, we can kind of pull some hookups. Oh, of course, of course. Put the authors well, on the air. There, there's so there's so many of them though. You know? I mean, <laughs> how many of those are you gonna get? But of course, I think a lot of my family members are gonna be getting big poppy books this uh, <laughs> Christmas. Yes, uh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I had to go everywhere to get this. It cost me an arm and a leg. So yeah, that's what we'll tell them. But uh, anyhow, like we said, Joe Sullivan up next. We'll talk some big poppy memories, and we'll play that wonderful tribute that Sully made uh, the day after Poppy's last game. Back in mid-October. So stay with us here in a stretch run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll be back. Run with Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. David and Barry Chin, or who you pick most of the sport? They're from uh, Nova Scotia. There, uh, the the who was it? 
was that? What the version of the parting glass is that? Who was singing Which one I'm trying to? F- I, I can't remember right now. Oh, it's there, they're from Nova Scotia. You're yeah, thinking? yeah. But anyhow, we could. Uh, yeah, maybe we can see if we can find a salsa version of the parting glass. That would be a, a very <laughs> interesting song. <laughs> Excellent. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> with, with bagpipes and everything, right? But uh, <laughs> you know, we were just saying in the uh, before you called in during the uh, break here. So many uh, David Ortiz books coming out as he as his career ended and now into this off season and um, I'm glad to get a copy of yours. Really, uh, I haven't read all of it yet. I haven't had it that long, mm-hmm, but I'm mm-hmm. looking browse through it. Awesome pictures in it, some great stories in it. But when you set out on this venture, um, what did you hope to do to make it distinct from some of the other ones? Well, I, I, first of all, I th- we thought it was a, a deserving tribute. Uh, to one of the most popular players to ever play for the Red Sox uh, at the end of his career. Uh, and we thought that there was a readership for it. Oh, yeah. uh, and I think what makes it uh, different is uh, a few things. I mean, first off, the one thing you uh, mentioned is the photography. Uh, these are photos that... with people like Dan Shaughnessy and Bob Ryan. And uh, I think you get something special. And then, then we have a little little extra in there. You know, the uh, introduction is by John Henry, who, yep. uh, you know, we were able to get him. Uh, for people who don't know, he owns the Red Sox and the Globe. So we were able to, that was pretty easy to get him. Right. But the harder one is that we had Pedro Martinez write the forward, and we have that too. So we're pretty proud of this uh of this publication, I, I always like to mention the price, Jimmy. Is that okay? Because I want oh, people to know how much it costs. It, yeah. So it's fifteen ninety five, and you can you could order it through Amazon, or you know you can even find it out of your Shaw's or your uh, CVS or something on the, in the book section there. Great, yeah. A great Christmas gift, I would think. Oh yeah, I was just saying, there's uh, a lot of these Christmas gifts out right now involving David Ortiz. I think a lot of people are going to be getting them. Um, you look at this. Uh, you you've been in this business for for a while, and. Yes. I'm sure you've come across so many different types of athletes uh, and personalities. But, you know, it's rare when you find somebody like Big Poppy and, and who's genuine. And, I, you know, that's not to knock some of the, the his predecessors there that came with the Red Sox, like a Ted Williams or what have you, or Jim Rice or any, you know, even Pedro himself. But there's just... It, there was just something so genuine about about Big Poppy and... You know, I, I thought it came out the most in the aftermath of the marathon bombings. But just your thoughts on maybe if you can remember when you first uh, encountered him or when some of your writers first started to cover him and the impression they got right off the bat from him and then as it built on from there. Look, he, he, the people you mentioned, uh, Ted Williams, Jim Rice, Hall of Famers, great players. Uh, David Ortiz, great player also, possible Hall of Famer. But... What separates him is how endearing he is to everyone, mm-hmm. and that is universal. Uh, fans love him uh, because of his charisma and, and, of course, the great things he did on the field. Uh, but not only the fans, uh, his teammates love him, but opposing players, especially Latin American players, mm-hmm. uh, admire him and love him, uh, and his outsized personality uh, just makes him irresistible in a lot of ways. And I and you know look I, I'm not going to pretend I know David Ortiz, uh, but I, my limited time around him uh, seems like a genuinely nice person, and I'll uh, 
I'll give an example. The, a year after the marathon bombing, the Globe tried to get as many people connected to the bombing as they could, survivors and people, you know, uh, EMS workers, doctors, nurses, mm-hmm. uh, to the finish line for a photograph to show how our city has endured. Uh, and we wanted to have some athletes connected. So, we, you know, we got David Ortiz to come and Johnny Gomes and Dustin Pedroia and uh, Patrice Bergeron and Zadino Chara, mm-hmm. they all came. And uh, so at one point, I sort of uh, by uh, default became David's bodyguard <laughs> as I'm escorting him back to his car after the photo's been taken. And, you know, I'm trying to hustle him along. He has to get the Fenway. He has a game that day. And this couple's on the street, and they, they speak to him in Spanish. So he stops, he converses with them briefly, takes the great David Ortiz selfie with them, hands it back the phone, and then goes on his way. Uh, I, you know, I'm not too sure how many athletes would have done that. Not many, not many. And that's that's why, you know, he celebrated as he is. Um, and I, you know, I imagine, too, you try to get some of those stories into your book there. Um, when you were going through them and you're editing it and you're you're picking and choosing which ones – uh, was there one that stood out to you the most that t- that touched you, uh, maybe a little different than the others? Well, it, it, there, there, there's a couple. Can I mention a couple, Jimmy? You're going to make yeah. me do one. No, no, we got all day <laughs> for David Ortiz stories and for for an Irishman and David Ortiz, we have all day. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll tell you what. There, there's two in here that uh, uh, that stand out to me, and one is about the very thing you talked about when he spoke to. Uh, the crowd uh, at the Red Sox before the Red Sox first home yeah. game after the bombing because immediately after the bombing in 2013, you know they went on the road to Cleveland and then then they came back uh, to uh, to Boston and and this is you know when he said the famous this is our bleeping city bleep city yep. bleeping city and and uh, so there's a story in there uh, by Julian Bembo that recounts that day that I think is uh, unforgettable and. The other one, and, and I guess these are the non-baseball ones, I guess. This is yeah. like Stan Grossfeld. And these are the writers you wouldn't necessarily expect, because obviously there's stories by Shaughnessy and Ryan in here. But uh, it's about David and his work with his charity uh, and, and the hospital in the Dominican Republic by Stan Grossfeld. And the, the chapter is called A Heartfelt Gesture, and it's about the good work that his, uh, his the David Ortiz Foundation does. And it's it's, it's just very touching. Uh, and I guess I kind of like those two. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell one. I got, uh, I have a friend. Uh, his name is Lucas Carr, and he actually he did three three tours, uh, two in Afghanistan and one in Iraq as an Army Ranger. So obviously mm. saw plenty of stuff. And then he just happened to be running the marathon that day uh, in 2013, and he crossed about 20 seconds before they went off and. As any soldier would do, he immediately turned around. He knew right away what it was. And he went back in and was helping with the rescue efforts and, you know, just saw some pretty tough stuff and actually called me that night and was crying to me. And, Mm. you know, he's like, you know something? I never really cried after everything I saw overseas. And here Mm. I am crying now. And so he met Ortiz, I guess, that in, in the following days after the event. And, um, you know, they, they struck up a conversation and Ortiz thanked him for his service and everything. So recently they were at, I think it might've been at the Globies. Uh, he was at some event recently where yeah. Ortiz was 
And he didn't even, he hadn't, he didn't even know Ortiz was like in the back in the after party. And Ortiz came over, flagged him down, gave him his big poppy hug. And he said, I remember you. You're that guy that was brave and went in there and helped everybody out in the marathon. And he, How about that? And I just, that's what I love about him is that he does remember all these faces. He does remember these encounters, like the one you described there with that couple. Mm-hmm. He's sincere. And that's, yeah. I, I, I think that comes through in what I've read so far in your book that's, that's coming through there. And, you know, it comes through in all the stories you hear about him because he's just so real. And I, I think that's what's great about dealing with somebody like Big Poppy. And, and we also, look, and, and those are all those touching things, but the book also relives all his great moments on the field. Oh. And I'm looking down at the book right now and I see the photo. This is a photo taken by the great Stan Grossfeld. And this is when his home run against the Tigers in the 2013 ALCS that really turned the series around. The, with the policeman? And it's the famous one with the police yeah. officer with his arms over his head and Tory Hunter's legs straight up. It's just, uh, and it recounts that game. That's a Dan Shaughnessy story in here. And uh, that's, that's a moment you... Uh, you know, you remember for a long time, that's for sure. And you've been you've been around the Boston sports scene for a while, and, you know, you know what it was like uh, for the Red Sox nation for so long, all the heartbreak they endured. And, and I wonder, you know, when you're putting this book together and, and going through all these moments on the field like the one you just described, could you have ever imagined back in, say, 86 after the ball goes through Buckner's legs that you'd ever be writing a book about so many amazing Red Sox moments? No, I don't think anyone did. It's all before 2004 and after 2004, right? It's, it's just like, it's, it's crazy, like, huh? It actually, you know, Boston sports is like, if you want to use 2000 as a cutoff point, you know, pre-2000 and post-2000, you know, what? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the amazing things that have happened in this city since then, uh, sports-wise, is just epic. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting here, I, I mean, I, t- I say it to my uh, produce, producer here, uh, Justin Sullivan, all the time, you know, he's... He's a millennial, but he's an exception to the rule. He, he's not like most of them. But, uh, you know, I'm like, you don't, you don't know the heartbreak we experienced. Yeah, I, I never felt it. I never felt it. I'm, yeah. I, I only know the Patriots good. I don't know the Patriots is winning. I don't only know the Red Sox is winning teams. I don't know the Celtics and the Bruins is winning teams. I don't know, I don't know <laughs> the bad parts. You know, I, all I know wow. is winning, you know? Maybe maybe we got to write him a book about about all that, but that would be kind of depressing, huh? Well, I got just a guy to write it, Dan Shaughnessy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what's going on? I heard uh, Sean. They were talking about him on EI today. He was uh, picking an argument with somebody. Was it about Gronk or something? Wow, I missed that. Jeez, you're telling yeah. me something I don't know. Okay, Jimmy, what, yeah, yeah. What? They were talking about him saying, "Oh, Shaughnessy's ca- causing a stir again." I don't know what it was about. I I haven't had time to check it out, but uh, well, I always loved Dan. He wrote today, today he uh, was writing about uh, Bud Selig. He wants Bud Selig to get into the Hall of Fame. Okay. You know, they're all, oh, they're was it? Did he say something about Schilling going in the Hall? That might have been. Oh, it. Well, that yes, he, okay. he has uh, decided he's not going to. He, he he said in this column that he he's always voted for Schill. Um, for any reasons why, and he says, but now I'm not. After the, you know, the the the, the tweet that uh, he sent out of the T-shirt, yeah, uh, you know, what is it? The uh, journalist rope tree, some assembly required. I think that's that's what she'll oh, uh, boy. retweeted that and said something like awesome, you know, and uh, you know, I, so, one thing about Schilling uh, is that uh, he's one of those guys that thinks he's funny and isn't funny. It, yeah, it, yeah, like he doesn't. A guy doesn't know how to tell a joke. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Because there might be some humor in that, but like the way he does it doesn't work, you know? Yeah, and, and you know, 
in terms of Shaughnessy, like a lot of people will disagree with things he says, and I have at times. But sure, one thing I one thing I love about him is he backs it up and he doesn't run away. You know, no, that, that, and that, and I think you know you've been lucky to have a lot of writers like that. I mean, obviously, I know Dupes uh, from covering the Bruins. Uh, yeah, and you, 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 that's what I like about a lot of your writers there. So in that respect, I imagine you feel the same that you've been uh, you've been graced with some some strong personalities for sure. But at least they back it up in the writing, huh? Uh, absolutely. And uh, look, I think uh, you know I always give Dan credit for someone who's willing to take a stand and not uh, worried about what people would think of him personally. He Which is so rare in today's journalism world. It really is. Yep. So, but hey, listen, I really enjoy what I've read so far. I'm going to finish it, and uh, you did a great job here, and it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for having me on. All right.